Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the TTE Podcast. I'm your host, D-Tubbs, a.k.a. The Bearded Fellow You Don't Know So Well. And today, um, I wanted to explore a subject that's been heavy in the news. Um, I've been really fortunate in my life to come across people that have really unique backgrounds and unique stories. So um, I'm going to have this conversation with my cousin Andre, who actually spent some time working in Afghanistan um, for a contractor a number of years ago. And I thought it would be good to have a conversation with him about everything that's going on in the news and his experience and, and just get some thoughts around um, what's going on over there and gain that insight from somebody who's actually been there. Because um, I think it's a unique perspective. So with that, Andre, welcome. How are you? Hey, man, doing all right, man. Chilling with the cousin. Always a good day. <laughs> my guy. My guy. So... Let's kind of level set here a little bit. Mm -hmm. Give people a sense of when did you go over there? How long did you were you there? And give people a sense of what you did while you were there. Because I want to be able to set the right context for, for where yeah. we go next. Okay, so yeah, it was private contracting. It was in between uh, 2013 through 2014, the whole year of 2013. So about a year and a half over there. Uh, contracting and uh, our main mission we worked side by side with the uh, US Air Force to help train develop the the forces that were supposed to you know take the brunt and fight their battle there you know against the Taliban once we would pull out so you know we were working with their interpreters we were working uh, with their they really they had a, really an army trying to turn that into many different functions of the military so they can combat forces and, you know, take, try to control as much as they could, uh, of their land without, uh, the, the Taliban that would, uh, that apparently took has taken over so quickly. So that, that is a, it's a pain point. And I've seen other vets, you know, not complain about, it, but bring that up. That is a pain point and aspect, you know, you worked on things, spent years there. And, um, yeah, I, I can relate to the small aspect of the years or a uh, year and a half I was there. Right, right, right. So you weren't active duty while you were there. You were actually working for another company that was sort of helping to train Afghan the Afghan army in terms of being able to defend themselves, defend their country, fight for their country. Yes, all yes. That. Okay, okay, okay. So you were over there for about a year and a half. And so one of the things that I keep seeing in the news is there's a lot of veterans that feel as if, you know what, I don't know what to make of my time over there. I don't know what to make of mm -hmm. the mission. I don't know what to think of anything simply because I'm at a point where I don't know what the purpose of all this was for because we just pulled out and left, if that made sense. And so I'm curious, you spent time over there. You invested a lot over there. I mean, for all I know, you may have left some things behind and we don't have to go too deep into that, but I'm curious your take on A, the decision to leave, B, the how we left, and then C, what do you think happens next? So I, I'm curious to hear what you think about That's, us. Yeah. Yeah. How we, yeah. Talk through that a little bit. That's good. I do I feel we should be there in the presence of that state? Um, I felt we definitely did 
did a good job in the aspect of uh, going there and, and getting getting what we needed and establishing what we needed. Uh, however, the aspect of do I feel we should have pulled out or should not? Yes, I do feel we should have left, but in all departures in any in any relationship, no departure in a relationship is going to be easy. Yeah, that's at, true. At all. Um, at, I mean, you could be at the top of the game or at the bottom of the game, any departure or, or feeling like there's a sense of loss or a sense of the work you did in this relationship did not sustain the desirable outcome. That's always a painful thing to uh, do. So right. in the aspect of what entailed and how fast, like I said, they, you know, Talbot would take over and, and, and even working with them to um, like that recent bombing there. Uh, right. That's rough. You never want to hear about, and, and being a vet, uh, you never want to hear anything about American soldiers going down. There's a part of you that pays attention. You become conscious in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you were if you were remote, if you were there close, you've been through uh, any one of those checkpoints. I mean, it's for them to get through this that last attack. For them to get through the Taliban's checkpoint and then reach our checkpoint to detonate that. That's. Um, I mean, you could you could speculate a lot, but you, you can tell in, in that area we got we got a lot. I mean, the intelligence people they're doing their job. I mean, everybody's doing the job as best they can, and that's the whole aspect of risk, risking your life, you know, for your country and the well being, and and uh, the fact that it happened during the departure. Say we weren't pulling out of Afghanistan. Say we weren't, you know, we are still over there. We're still, we're still occupied. We're not even talking about leaving. And say this same event happened. It might be looked at as different, but then it's just, if it happened when I was pulling out of there, then everybody would say we need to get our people back home. The fact that it happened during that process just makes it a unfortunate situation. However, you know, it's, as Biden would say, um, that did not go unknown. And if, if the U.S. And, and the U.S. definitely has uh, the power and capability to take control of the situation, if that, however. Yeah, if they really. Yeah, how, however. If, if they do that, um, what backlash would that look like in the sense of how that's done? Well, I just think you've got to put more lives on the line. Like one of the things I'm not interested in in this moment is any conversation about blame and whose fault it is and this, that, and the third. Because I just feel like this is the fourth president to preside over troops in Afghanistan. So oh, yeah. I feel like if we really do an autopsy on the whole thing, there's going to be every president from Bush to Biden that played a role in this. Oh, yes. Yeah, that point. made mistakes. I'm not really interested in that. I'm more interested in making sure that we get everybody out. Oh, yeah. And then I'm more concerned about sort of the long term ramification of how can we ever look anybody in the eye and mm-hmm. say, I give you my word that you'll be OK and then we just left these people lambs to the slaughter because of like red tape when it comes to special immigrant visas. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that, that's, that's like, I guess said. one of the things that we're going to talk about, I guess we can get into it now, is just the humanitarian aspect of it. So I'm curious, while you were over there, I have to assume, so I'm glad you're here so we can talk about it. I would have to assume, given the nature of the work that you were doing, that you worked with Afghan interpreters, you worked with locals, you worked with people who knew areas like Kandahar and Kabul and um, Bagram oh, yeah, we were and different yeah. places. So I'm <clears throat> curious, like, talk to me about the people that you got to know of Afghanistan and what they're really like 
and how that's different from how they might be portrayed when you watch the news. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's the same thing. So, yes, I definitely worked. Um, I miss every day. It was our job. We were, we were working with them. I spent, you know, I was in the room alone uh, with the Afghans. First time that happened, I actually had a moment. I was like, I'm, I'm alone right now over here in the, <laughs> in the country. Right. And I'm waiting for the translator to get there. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely working with the um, the people who are part of their military branch, their army, and uh, translators. And, and translators, and that, that's, the, that's another pain point or difficult part to swallow in all this because they risk their lives uh, in the aspects. And I'll, I'll get back into what the translators do, but in a sense of the perception of that world, you, you really have to go back to, if you can, try to go back to like biblical third world country days and an aspect to definitely the part of Kandahar. Yes, they do have cities there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kabul, that's what we're kind of based out of. But then again, me and my uh, teammate, we worked out of uh, Kandahar. And then when our when we were done, everyone always had to go back to Kabul and fly out of there. <clears throat> but well, while, while we were, you know, we get our training, get our stuff done, you know, uh, project manager, everybody, our main hubs in, in Kabul. And um, it was it was a decent base. And, and being in there, they have, a, uh, you're, you're basically inside of a mountain range being in there. And what I remember distinctively is when you're in, because you can look all the way around you and you're basically inside of a big, big gorge or valley and uh since the russians were there way back in the day one thing sticks out of my mind is looking up on the side of the hill we used to say well when they were here and they were fighting the taliban back in the day um they you know joking about the russians and their and their tactics uh that their answer was just to scorch the entire valley like because trees did not grow on, on this big side right. you know of a mountain it's like you know it's kind of shame so it's you know that country in itself has been in it's been stricken with war for a really long time. So to be the force that was over there trying to help out and, and referring back to my translator, when we were leaving, um, he's such a great, he was, he was a great guy, you know, raised Christian. He's, he's obviously Muslim. I mean, we, we talk about things, but when you're over there, it's, you're not dehumanizing the situation. Whereas when you're just seeing what's on the news, you only get one perception of it, mm-hmm. but there, there, there are human beings there. Right. But when you dehumanize the situation, uh, you know, even with death, you kind of take that out of there. But you can't because these people have beating hearts. They have their own free thinking minds or whatnot. And a lot of them definitely wanted to get to America. And uh, not this specific translator, but that, that was the closest one I was um, that I guess I uh, latched on to. And another one I was speaking to him and when he would even talk about America, his perception towards us, he thinks, you know, everyone is in shape. Everyone is is beautiful everything's like new york or everything's like la <laughs> everything's the beach Never been in and in the back of my mind like yeah let you get a ticket out to <laughs> omaha or, or nebraska you're gonna have a different right. perception but because what they see is what hollywood is you know america is still to them i mean that's the i almost say still to them but you know that, that's freedom mm-hmm. that's just even even to them that's a symbol of freedom and that's why it was even hard for me to see that um just hanging on the side of an aircraft to get out of the country. Yeah, that was that bad was, to me, man. When I seen that, I was like, you know, it's that and is it, rough. That gave me a real appreciation for how desperate people were to get out. Oh yeah. That like the no, I've never been there, so I'm not going to pretend to know. But my sense of the Taliban was these aren't people to play with. You know, oh no! These were no. the people that were. No, you got to respect all. You got to respect every enemy, in my yeah, opinion. You know what I mean? And so these these weren't people to play with. Um, but to see people like they found a guy who snuck into the wheel well of the airplane, yeah. and when they landed, oh, he yeah. was dead because he yep. froze to death. Yep. 
at 30 some thousand feet. So I guess that's where, that's the part that kind of hurts me the most. Yeah. I think is we gave these people a promise and then our government red tape bullshit prevented these people from coming over, at least the ones that helped us. Yeah, that's that's outside. Like when I look at that whole situation, it's, it's de- you know order of operations. We learned that very young age. Order of operations first. Get get every American out of there. That that's number one priority. Uh, if you have to choose, but if you don't have to choose, definitely, obviously, it's a no brainer. Get your country men and women service members out, and not just the service members. Don't 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 forget the contractors. <laughs> and don't and don't forget the other people. <laughs> Get every American out of there. Um, but separate from that, if you can get anyone else out, de- it's definitely the people who helped that mission for those years. They yeah. they 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 helped us in such a way that oh, even while I was over there, they're they're risking their life helping us because there was a I forget who told me I was over there. They said you know like a, a Taliban uh, would would stop a bus. And just walk up on the bus and, and either scream out in Pashto or Dari, the language they speak there. Either scream out a ten hut or attention. Mm-hmm. Anybody in, you know, you know, just like us, you don't know a active duty member. I mean, except from a, hair, a haircut in America, but over there, haircuts. No, you wouldn't wouldn't be able to tell. You can you know grow your beard out or whatnot. They don't have the same regs. So the Taliban walk onto a bus and just scream out attention. Everybody in the military, you're going to stand up. You're going to announce yourself right on the spot. Take them off the bus. You know, execute them and whatnot. Like these people are really risking their lives. And we're talking about young, young people. So that that was the when I when I saw them, the translator definitely they were true believers in the aspect of the mission, thanking mm-hmm. us and, and helping us out. Because they're already risking their lives. So since you already risked your life to help, you're pretty much gonna do all you can do. You know, that's the point of no return in that aspect. And that's a perception in their mind. That's the point of no return. I'm helping another force here. I know the Taliban's looking for me, you know. I have to play it smart. And then one thing, since working with Afghans, I was a translator, but working with their uh, military members, you know, I met with <clears throat> some of the high-ranking officials on, on, on their base there attached to uh, Kandahar, and, you know, that's how we work with our translators and whatnot. And some of their, not the higher officials, but their lower officials, mm-hmm. I related it to, nothing against fast food, but I related it towards working at, like, you know, people, some people's perception when you see them working at, you know, like Walmart or fast food, nothing against the corporations, but I'm saying they're not that motivated. It's just a job to them. Yeah. The perception. It's not of, a career. Like they're not, they're, there's no ownership. Yeah, in that. Exactly. I saw that. I saw that in some people there. And in the back of your mind, like you're hopeful. And I remember Dr. Cornell West, he was talking to Tara Smiley many years ago. And he said, you know, I'm never optimistic. I'm just, uh, what do you say? I'm never optimistic. I'm just. Something about being hopeful, like more of a blues inflicted type of being hopeful, but not just all giddy up and optimistic and oblivious towards the real challenge, you know. Right. Uh, but the, but I had that in the back of my mind. It's like if it came down to it, you always wonder, will they be able to hold that front? Will they be able to do it? And it comes down, you got to fight for what you want in all aspects. If you yeah. want to protect your land, you, I mean, you got to have to fight for it. So one of the things that I keep seeing, and I've like kind of held off like reserving judgment especially on things especially on things that i don't know and fully comprehend and i hate when people sort of jump out there and expound as if they know when they really don't Hmm. um but 
one of the things I've been hearing is about, well, you know, we never really set them up to be successful because we taught them how to fight a war based on what we know with like, you know, an air force and intelligence and all of this. But if we were ever going to pull out of there, they couldn't necessarily sustain it. So it's like a comedy of errors in the sense of we pulled out quick. We didn't train them sufficiently on how to sustain it. And then you have sort of a relentless force. Like someone said the other day, which I thought was interesting. There's an Afghan saying that the occupier, whether it's America, Russia, the infidel, the infidel, (laughs) the infidel may have the watches, but we have the time. And they just waited it out. And so the, you know, now we're now we're here. And again, I don't want to get I, to me. It's a separate conversation later about how we got to this point. But one of the things I'm curious to ask you about is watching all this on the news and you having served like you are a veteran and you did work over there as a contractor. I'm just curious from your perspective when you're watching this, are you seeing things where you're like, yeah, that's super fucked up. We shouldn't have done that. Or do you see things and you're like, yep, that's the right play given the circumstances. Th- those are your options and you took the best one. Or is it some combination of both? Like, I'm just curious, as you caught wind of this and you're able to put it in context in a way a lot of people walking around here can't do, I'm curious, what are your thoughts as you're seeing it unfold in real time? <sighs> You want you want to sit back and watch it, but probably being a vet, you just want to get back in the fight at, at whatever capacity that is. That's probably the majority of vets. Once you once you, you know what what can you do? And the 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 answer to that, you, you can do a lot of things, but the the true answer would be either you're going to enlist or start or do some private contracting, or you're going to get back in. Uh, but if they're not going to be deploying more, it's kind of like you're going to have to sit on your hands and, right. until the Oval Office says, hey. You guys want to go out there, get our boys home. They'll, they'll get them home. They'll get home at, at whatever means. But how how I look at it is kind of like, to tell you the truth, it's really the next move. Because that's ultimately, if it's, if it's not, if you're not the tip of the spear, if you're not going to be about the action, it's definitely about knowing the next move. And since it's kind of on, I would say it's on us. But if our last move is just leaving, it's not like you want to leave being slapped across the face as you were the you were the you were the big dog there mm-hmm. you know no no one's gonna like that no no one it, could take that it so it does have a, a sense of the bullies being bullied a little bit yeah and, a little bit like, <laughs> like i know that's probably too strong of a metaphor <laughs> that, yeah, but true, it's but. got some of that flavor to it i think it's ironic that um the bombing that happened yesterday so today's friday the bombing was yesterday morning and I guess it was like in the evening over there. It's ironic or strange, like twist of fate, if you will, that we are relying on the Taliban to provide security. And then a third party, some offshoot of ISIS shows up and they're the ones with the suicide bomber. Now, all of a sudden we're partnering with the people that are basically our enemy in order for them to maintain control over a situation that involves a third party who is even more extreme than they are. Like, like it's just a weird set of circumstances. It is. It's a nasty. Uh, 
just a nasty threesome. There's there's really no other way to say that. I mean, it's never a, there's never a great hand. Somebody, it's not going to be equal in, in that situation. Uh, seeing seeing that that happen, it does raise an eyebrow. I would say uh, for me and 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 many other people, I get working with obviously foreign forces. I mean, it, heck, it's, it's a NATO, but it was it was a joint mission, anyways. Um, and, and that's that's one thing. Like it definitely can't hurt. It was a NATO base, you know, Kabul's NATO base, so it wasn't just a U.S. presence. Well, I see that. That's what I was going to ask you is because it's a NATO base, and my understanding, you keep me honest, it's NATO because it goes back to we were attacked on September 11th, 2001. Hmm. NATO has a rule that basically says if you attack one, you attack all. So everybody in NATO sent forces over to Afghanistan to support us in the mission is my understanding of how yes. it became, how why it's why NATO's present there. And for those who don't know, NATO is the North American um, Treaty Organization or whatever it's called. And it was created after World War II as a deterrent against um, Russian aggression and German uh, reemergence in case the Germans ever rose up again. But go ahead. I yeah, well, yeah, I, that that is a good point. I mean, it's uh, you know, Sinaloa base was a, it was a joint mission. We're not over there alone. You know, we got you know we got our the UK after we got the Brits out there working with us. You know, several other, but it's kind of like America got the brunt of the contract and the aspect of the 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 most troops there. You know, it wasn't like each party had, like, every party had specific contracts in that mission in the aspect of NATO. Like, um, one country would take care of checking in where they would rotate, uh, like vehicle checking or whatnot, um, you know, roving patrols. But, and then some had more specific where it was just us. Gotcha. Like, there were some just doing security. There were some just doing training. So, mm-hmm. you, they had barbers over there, you know, TGI Fridays in, in you know, Kandahar. So, uh, we didn't have alcohol in the base. Well, I think it used to. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have alcohol in the base. Um, yeah, I can't speak on that. Definitely, I was there. The closest thing was like a near beer or something, but it was like, right. oh, point. I don't know. Right, but you worked with other people from other countries, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was, that's a fun. You, you meet a lot of, you meet a lot of good people, man. You meet people you'll, you'll never meet before. Um, Invite or what? And speaking of that, some people I was working with, they they began to be friends uh, with some of the translators because they were over there for so long, especially on the active duty side. And right. Even on the contracting side, they did. Uh, because once you get past all that and once you're working side by side, it doesn't, doesn't matter. If you're on for the same mission, it comes down to an aspect of trust. Right. Everyone's risking their life here. Yeah. You, you kind of, in that aspect, you, you kind of grow, grow numb towards... You don't go numb towards if something was happened, but you're definitely able to deal with it if it did. And I think that's the best way yeah, to say it. And I think in that aspect, that transcends race, that transcends religion, that transcends... Oh, it has to. That's a hindrance. Like, all that's so, a, yeah, that'd be a hindrance. Social, economic, you know, backgrounds, all of that, because we're just talking about very basic life and death. Now, you can get into the reasons yep. about life and death, but at the end of the day... If you're on my team, you're on my team. I'm not really interested in where you come from or what you look like. Let's all pull on the rope at the same time in the same direction. Yeah, and that and that's probably what the the understanding of what the agreement to pull out of there was. Um, did the the question comes down to did somebody not pull their weight? And it will not be the and that answer will not be on the American side. 
And that's that's the issue. Even though ISIS took credit for that, the question would come down to the Taliban let that happen. And then once again, it's like you had a, if you did have an agreement, or is this your last insult? But regardless, you know, there's boots on the ground. We got bodies on the ground, and I, and that's that's what the big office is answering now. Like that's that's serious business. We got yeah. lives. Well, like I, I think in, in after some time has passed, I really want to get into sort of the the how we got to this point and and all of this. But I, I'm with you right now. I think what's important is is getting everybody out. But I do, one of the things I'm curious to hear you talk about is I see a lot of people upset with the idea that we might be bringing in all of these Afghan refugees into our country because we can't trust them. We don't know who they are. They might be Taliban, blah, 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 this, that, and the third. And I'm bothered by that because Anybody that shows up here is going to be somebody that's vetted. And if these people, if there is an American soldier or contractor mm. that can vouch that I worked with this person and this person saved my life, I feel like that's enough for me to welcome that person into our country and thank them for what they sacrificed. And there are people that are saying no. And it's curious. I'm curious because... If there's 30 some million people that live in Afghanistan, but we're only talking about 60 to 80,000, I think America is big enough and generous enough to welcome 60 or 80,000 people who helped save American lives. I don't think that's too much to ask. So when I see people Mm -hmm. suggest that, no, we can't let these people in, that really bothers me. And I'm curious what you think about that. That's that's great. That's a great perspective. I did. I didn't venture too far in that thought, but I did think about an aspect of, yes, we want, we don't, we know for a fact our translators need to get out of there. That That's not, that's not, anybody that's been over there would agree with that. They need to get out of there. An aspect of where they go, like you well, that would obviously be the other question. Okay. That's aspect of physics. You're going to move something. You're going to move, where are you going to move it to if you're going to move something? Right. Um, and my personal opinion, I it would, I mean, some of them have visas and some of them have already been to the States on vacation. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So some of them have already been over there. Okay. Nothing happened. Nothing happened in that city. That one still worked for us. He's already been to the States two times. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not all of them have, but that's what the aspect of having been working visa and trying to do that. And I'm not sure. Cause that's, <laughs> that's, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Because <laughs> that that is above my prayer, Gary. But uh, so I wouldn't have a problem with it in the aspect of because uh, higher ranking officials are going to sign off on that. But my personal opinion, where we put them, how we incorporate them into the United States, mm-hmm. um, they already know English. Right. They're translating for us, mm-hmm. knowing that they could possibly teach Dari. So. I think it's hard for some people to say, uh, I'm not sure about the military or people that worked with them, but so people would have that opinion that, you know, maybe we shouldn't cause you know, we're risking it. I understand that conservative perspective mm-hmm. and that's something I can't respect. You need to protect your walls and protect your borders. You know, you don't, you just want to let everything and everybody in. We don't, <laughs> Yeah, but, but we're not saying that's that. true. That's like, true. Like, that's not what this is though. These that's are true. people that helped us. Mm-hmm. So it, it would have, I don't know if there's a facility that could be built, a base, something. Well, so, so what I've noticed is they're flying people to Qatar. They're flying people to 
an Air Force base in Germany. Some people are going to Guam. Some people are going to other countries altogether. Like there is some sort of civilian airplane program hmm. that's only been active like three times in 70 years. They activated wow. it where airlines are donating planes. Those planes flying commercial are flying into Kabul, picking people up. What does that say about out. the country though? Think about that. But All those people aren't translators are trying to get that's out. That's what I'm saying. And so then when I hear about, well, you know, you got to have the right paperwork and be vetted. I'm like, fuck the paperwork. You're talking human life here. But I want to be clear. The reason why I'm saying fuck the paperwork is because we put these people in a situation that put their lives in mm. jeopardy. And now we just pull the plug and just say, eh, that's it. And don't get me wrong. I am not some like tree hugging you know, progress. Okay. You know, you know, liberal. No, I understand. Oh, I definitely but, understand. But I just think, from a matter of, from an ethical, moral standpoint, we had a real obligation to take those people and help them. Yeah, if it's in the contracts, in the con. I mean, you, you can't. I mean? If you're like, breaching a contract, then that's you like, know, you're like, going to breach a contract. Like you get everything that comes with mm. the situation that you created, and it just, you know, now don't get me wrong. The Taliban saying, if you Afghans, you're not leaving the country. Yes, that like, that is it, true. That makes it, that, that makes it that, tough. Yeah, it does. But I just, yeah, it does. I just feel like <laughs> yeah. we have a real responsibility. The hell with the paperwork. We got a real responsibility to take care of these people yes. who are in a situation not of their own making, and we are sentencing them to die. And I'm sorry, but I just feel like that's not right. And I think you just got to call a spade a spade. We fucked up and there's not going to be any consequence for us in that sense because America's going to move on because that's what America does. Oh, well, yeah, we, you got to, you got to keep it moving. Got to keep moving for Lady Liberty, you know, as what, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's my. I guess that's we move, we need to, and we'll stand our grounds. The great words of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> these colors don't run. <laughs> they just don't. Uh, that's a that's that's a great part of being being America. It is an American. It's a really great. Uh, it's a great country. I mean, life itself, as you say that, because if you haven't served with them, it's hard to understand it because you've really been looking at it from a dehumanizing position. Because you haven't related personally with the human being. And that, that's ultimately, that's, we can even get into racism on that, but you obviously yeah. don't have to. But, you know, when, when you dehumanize something, you're not going to see it for what it is. You right. know, you're exactly. not going to see the full potential and the possibility of something. You're looking at it almost in a derogatory sense and, you know, with ill will, not wanting it. But, but as you said, it's people who say, like even, uh, or like even Marcus Luttrell, that, that one, Afghan who really took him in the house and said, okay, he's a visitor of my town. And, you know, they're tribal. So by law, if I have a visitor in my house, I don't care if you're Taliban. It's hands off. Right. So, you know, so even having somebody step out on the line, risk their life for it, it's like, what's the token of doing something? That, that's a big, that's a big deal. Right. Exactly. That's a real big deal. Exactly. He, he didn't ask for that. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, so I, I think sometimes there should be some compensation outside of Afghanistan. I can say that. I I don't know. I'm on, I'm on the yeah. fence of bringing it. 
I know America will have a problem with it. <laughs> I know some, some not entirely, but I know some. I know, I know the general public enough to understand. Highly critical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be an aspect of I don't want these refugees yeah. in my town. This and the third. But it, I find it all comes down to the fear of the unknown because that's Afghanistan. Yeah, because if you, right, right, <laughs> right it, there. It's the fear of the unknown. But if you get to know somebody on a very human level, all of a sudden, all that fear kind of goes away. But you have to be open to it. Yeah. But it just bothers me when I see that on the news that these people, like, they're already going door to door. Oh, yeah. Basically, oh, they, oh, yeah. Basically, yeah. like, it's an all-girls all school. They're going door to door telling that school, this is a brothel. They're going door to door saying, your 12-year-old daughter belongs to me now. Yeah, like, it's as little, you said that. It's little things like that, and it's just like, we knew that was going to happen. And I'm not saying that we can prevent it because we can't go around stopping everything. Everything. Yeah. Like, I, not, I get that. I'm that's, not saying that. That's a double-edged sword. But I get what that. I am saying is, is that if we created a situation that puts these people in harm's way, we have a real obligation to take in as many people as possible to prevent that from happening. <laughs> don't, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, don't get up unless you wipe your butt. Yeah, <laughs> like, like like don't get don't leave that restroom until you yeah, wipe your butt you know and wash your hands. Do. Don't come out here with no shame girls, <laughs> and that's what like, America's done. I, I get that, and uh, uh, as you brought that up, I did think about the time uh, we were driving driving. Um, I think we we're leaving the defect dining facility, and looking out on the perimeter, I'm looking at like a mud hut house. Um, a father's walking, just herding sheep. Like when I said, you know, go back in time. Yeah, you got you got a picture of that herding sheep, and he probably had a son that was like, I don't know, probably eight or nine, and and I saw what stuck out to me was that younger girl, mm-hmm. and she was at she was like six or seven walking behind them, mm-hmm. you know, just you know barefoot, you know, those rocks and and like that moon dust sand or whatnot, um, and I'm thinking and relating back to my daughter here in America, I was right. like, wow, I wonder her perception. She has no idea. What, what I'll, I'll say, life. what a YouTube is. You know, oh, I'll say it that way. You know, she has she has no a a a, a what a, a smartphone, Wi-Fi. Like, you, what are you talking about? This girl just knows nothing but hurting sheep. It was a hill running water. Yeah, like and, the, like. And her future is now no school. You see what I'm saying? So when you dehumanize situation, like whatever, but that's a human being, and she will not be allowed to have. Um, you know the things that, unfortunately, now they you know we do take for granted here in America, but it's something we also did have a fight for. But um, in the sense of who has the power in that country, it's clear that girl is probably not going to get a decent education. That's why people are fleeing. It's really probably well that for and the safety. Kids. Like it's going to be just like rape and pillage and no. real like you know savage shit. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like. I, I don't know that that really bothers me as I, as I see these images. And um, again, like I said, I'm not going to get into mm. the who's right, who's wrong and all that. Or is this like Vietnam? There's many moving parts. Now. You never want to be quick to judge. Not, yeah. not with so many moving parts. And now. that's what I mean. Like I, I've learned, I've had experiences in life where it's like, you know what? We should probably wait till this settles down and we get the facts and go back and look and see because... I think about like the Duke lacrosse players that were, everybody just knew they raped that girl in Mm. that house and come to find out they didn't touch that girl at all. But by the time everybody figured it out, 
these dudes' reputations were destroyed. Oh yeah. You see oh yeah, it takes a course. That's just one that example won't be restored. that you could give it can be restored. of many, but that's the first one that came to oh, yeah. mind for me. That was a good one. They did a 30 for 30 on it, but but I that's a conversation I want to have later, but I wanted to get your perspective on it. So all that being said, what do you think happens next? Because August 31st is Yeah, we got to get out. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Our, no more room service. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You know, no more parties in LA. So, oh, so that being said, come September 1st, mm. get, if you can, give me a sense of what is life going to be like for the people that are left behind starting September 1st, if you can. That's rough. That's rough. Well, uh, if they don't mind blowing up their own people just to to get one of our guys, that can pretty much sum it up. It's it's not going to be good. I mean, there's there's no, like how bad would it be for you to literally run to an airport and climb on the side of an airplane to get out of that problem? Mm-hmm. Like, talk to me the last time you've had that issue that day, and no, I haven't had that day. You know, not, not I've never been have. in a situation that was that desperate. So, so through the minds of them, there, there's no, there's no way I can, I can uh, express that. I mean, lack of better words. I mean, yes, it's, it's going to be hell. It's going to be hell for them. That, that's that's <laughs> probably what it's going to be. When you cut down education here, and it's more of a dictatorship, and it's controlling like that. Because uh, back in the day, it didn't used to be like that. They they did have they were almost dressing like us. Way back in the day. And then Taliban took over and said, no, go back to all that. Cover yourself up. Or all our way, whatnot. Um, it's it's just rough. It's, it's rough to see that, to know. Because, like, even, you know, being in the military, being a vet, you know, it, there's there's many different elements of, of being in a military vet or, or contract work for the government or, or even helping foreign forces. You are actually, you're a true believer in the belief. Like there's the American dream. There's the, I'm trying to make the world a better place dream. Mm-hmm. Not everyone buys into these dreams, but, but these military members and vets, you know, we have, we did, or we still do. So in a sense of realizing there's a place mm-hmm. where someone's in need that cannot protect themselves and cannot defend themselves, mm-hmm. you either ignore it or you take action or you grieve. That's reality. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really going to be one of those three things, unfortunately. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, think about it. It's, it's not it's not checkmate for you, but it's mm-hmm. pretty much you. You can understand the game of chess better than better than that quote unquote king can that's in the corner. It's that's checkmate. Gotcha. I mean, there's no stalemate at this level. <laughs> no. No. Not, I mean, but I've heard, I've heard people board. say that that hey, we should have never pulled out that. We could have kept a small force there, and it could have been basically a stalemate and this, that, and third, and blah, blah, blah. And Biden made the decision. Again, I'm not going to get into all that. That's a whole other conversation for another day. But I'm curious. I know somebody that had done a tour over there, yeah. and they had mentioned to me that it was bothering them with everything they were seeing on TV, and it bothered them in large part because... One of the interpreters they worked with reached out to them. That's rough, man. To say, is there any way you can help me and vouch for me so I can get me and my family out of here? 
And I, I just felt terrible when he that position that that position is is extremely hard. That's a, that's a really hard position because tell you the truth, no, the answer to that question, no. That's and, at at most at, at most is it's running it up the chain at most, but that's like taking something to your director or the president of the company with somebody who does not work for the company. And the bottom line at the top is what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't even have to get into that. But it's not that the bottom line at the top is heartless. That's what preserves the business. They have to make the determination at the highest level for the well-being of, we're talking the country. That's why it's rough. Even though you did have a great sales relationship, or, or I'm going to go to the private sector, I'll, I'll keep it here. Even though you did have a great relationship, and that's what's hard, even, even what the interpreter I knew. Like, where do I go now thinking about his life? Am I just going to sit here and wonder what his day is like? Well, he's you can identify him if you know who he was. Because he, he, he <laughs> I can't give too much, I'm not going to give no information on him, but if you knew who he was, he's, he's clearly the physical feature. Like, you would clearly know mm. that's him. There's not too many people that look like him. And um, where's his life? Where's his life now? And, and unfortunately, if, uh, I'm speaking for them, and it, that's their country, but when they're willing to sacrifice themselves, that that's service. And, and the, it's not even the bittersweet. It's just the bitter part of the war. There's casualties. There's loss. And, and there's collateral damage. That is, that is war. And, and, and when there's war, go back to that word, dehumanizing the situation. When there's war, you dehumanize things because you figure, okay, people are already acting ugly. There's no value there. So do whatever you need to do to conquer it control the situation after you have control now we can look at it in more of a humanity type of way since there's not control there now i i think the interpreter's lives especially from american people like it's off the books in the aspect of american people get all the americans out like that's not even something i have to talk about mm-hmm. but when it, when it comes to the comes to the interpreters that's that's probably going to be the car that doesn't get service at the dealership who's closing today yeah you know yeah. And it's like it's like are you going to continue looking at that car before it closes knowing its fate or like how are you going to work on it? Like we're not sending more people there. We're not we're not doing a mass exodus. You know, cuz ultimately what it is. But then again, we had a contract with people. Like you said, and then we made a deal with security with some other people. And those other people said, "Okay, the people you made a deal with, we're not even addressing that." We have something towards them, people. They're not allowed leaving. That's between us. Yeah. So it's it's a rough situation. Yeah, and I just felt bad for the person I was talking to because you could hear it in their voice. Oh, I know. He's, yeah, he's it painful. Was like, it was like a helpless feeling that you could hear in their voice because they wanted to do something mm-hmm. because this person, in a lot of ways either made their life easier over there or saved oh, yeah. their life. Oh, yeah, you laugh. Like, you like you even laugh until jokes these translate. Like, it's not all, but you know what work, real work's like. Yeah, you got your business and you're, you're professional and you handle business, you're good at it. Is there any downtime there? Yeah, everyone's sober, so, you know, you, you do need morale. Everyone right. has morale. I don't care if it's playing cards or whatnot. You chill with, I mean, they weren't they weren't sleeping in our barracks. They, they had our own separate place. We would meet, you know, yeah, in the yeah, morning yeah. go to work. So it wasn't like, you know, we're sleeping in the same racks. Not like that. But we're laughing, joking, making it lighter. I mean, that's how you gain trust. Right. You just build a relationship. And now, well, since I was, like, I left uh, uh, around 
close to bed 2014. So that was many years ago where, well, even though now, you know, I check, you know, social media and I see that some people that I did work with either act duty or, or private contractors, they actually were Facebook friends with so many translators. Gotcha. So they're, you know, they're there with me. They're still friends with them. They're probably still in the same boat if they're still serving at that capacity. Gotcha. And I, I didn't necessarily do that, but, um, if, if that specific translator would reach out or reach out to me for help, it would be crushing. I know it would be crushing. Right. So like for your friend that, that's over there, man, I don't, that's rough. That's a rough time. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, I can just hear it in their voice and it's like that helpless feeling of wanting to do something and knowing that there, there really isn't. So with that being said, one of the, the last things I, I, I kind of want to ask you is, is that when you're over there, and you're in theater, hmm. and it's time for R and R. They send soldiers to a specific place, but do they send contractors to a different place? And if so, where did they send you? Yeah, we're, we're all under contract, quote unquote. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. The money is it's not the same money. If that makes sense. So, uh. Well, I can't speak for I was I can speak for the contractors, but there was well, number one, it's getting out. It's getting out of Afghanistan. Okay, so even it's though, not, yeah, even it's though R and R, it's you, even though we're leaving, there's yeah. there's obviously it's a big deal getting out of there. It's yeah. a real big deal getting out. So, uh, act duty they had <laughs> when you're active duty, it's not it's not made for luxury. It's not right. <laughs> we're majority of people. So you're, you're not really going to fly out commercially. You're not going to do that. You're going to you're in Kesta, get Cadillac um, to fly out of there. Uh, that, and what's the Cadillac for the people? What's the C twenty seven? Okay, all right. Let me, let me make sure I wasn't I wasn't on it. Yeah, make sure for the people because when you say a Cadillac, you know I don't want nobody to think the Cadillac made an airplane. No, no. Well, they could have made an engine, but no, they they did they. Did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they want to say no, I, I, I can hear people now. Where the fuck can I get the, one of them Cadillacs? All right, correction. No, I, well, I, we called the Cadillac. It was it was C17. Okay. Not 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 the 27. Okay, just to be clear. Okay. The only ride I had out there was on a 130 Hercules. Yes, yeah, AC 130. That was from uh, Kandahar to uh, Kabul to actually fly for the last time. And it's and it's, and it's weird because usually you catch all your flights. So as a contractor, you're gonna catch your flight. Uh, probably out of Kandahar, so it was nice there. Mm-hmm. We can go there and we fly out. When we leave, um, let's get, well, I mean, I mean, we're going to, we, we touch in Dubai. But, mm-hmm. yeah, active duty is not going to Dubai. So yeah. it's like, it's good for us leaving there, but regardless of you're leaving, you want to get back to family or whatnot, R&R, I mean, you can go and leave. While you're over there, you do have, like, a contract. You do have leave. You do have days off. Yeah. People go all over the world. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Everybody knows top people go all over the world, especially on the contracting side. So but. you went to Dubai. Well, no, that's part of the connection connected flight. Gotcha. Okay. Over, yeah, that's 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 a that's a that's so a you long caught a flight. connecting flight in Dubai and yeah. kicked it there for how long? Yeah, you're gonna yeah go yeah Frankfurt or Dubai. Yeah. So how long did you were you in Dubai? I'm only in Florida in two days. I'm adamant about that statement. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, hey, it's a hard 48 hours, but it's a beautiful 48 hours. I tell you, it's, it's not the best 48 hours, but I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. The finer things in life, and uh, you see the oil rigs out there on the ocean flying in into uh, Dubai. It's like it's a whole new world. Like it's, it's really the Arabian night. 
But, but and I can imagine like coming out of Afghanistan into which that, is, which is effectively yeah. third world country. Yeah, into people barefoot, that. herding sheep, living off the land. Into, yeah, the poorest of the richest in a matter of hours. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then from there to land in Dubai, where it looks like they built it yesterday. Yeah, and then get stuck in in um, Atlanta's airport, and TSA wants to check me. It's like leave me alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right now. I don't yeah. care how long this line is. Yeah. This is where I came from, this is what I done. I get it. I get it. But this is what I do. Yeah. I don't want to stand here. That's why I don't like ATL. That's the only reason I don't like that airport. Oh, I'm not a fan of their if I, I, I I've told people this many times. If I'm flying to Atlanta and back, I'm cool. But if oh, I have to right. connect through Atlanta, it's yeah. hell yeah. every Yeah, we time. had to I had to connect through Atlanta. That, yeah. that, that's the issue then. Yeah. I won't connect then. Yeah. Absolutely. But yes, it's hard on that Afghan front, man. But I'm telling you, yeah, the vets vets are gonna uh, mixed feelings about it, but active duty, you gotta think of further service. That's that we all did. You know, you're willing to risk your life and unfortunately you pay that ultimate price. Right. Yeah, because I saw one of the guys that unfortunately got killed in the bombing was from here in Ohio. And I saw that mm. and I just sort of shook my head. Like, you know, uh, a, thank you and your family for they, for they sacrifice and for their service. That's but, what it is. But at the same time, it's like, man, like, you know, I, I just feel terrible for everybody involved. And again, I don't pretend to have the answers. I'm, I'm just some dude that lives here. Like oh, I, yeah. I'm not, privy to information and this that and the oh i'm not either even though i was there uh, no nah, let me make that clear i'm not either <laughs> just speak for mine there, there's higher powers that be yeah you know what i mean <laughs> so like I, i'm kind of i feel like you and i can have another conversation another day where we can get into the how did we get to this point and oh, yeah. and, and and sort of all of that. that that's just not right now i just don't have it in me i don't have the energy in me to really have that conversation, but I thought it would be helpful to have this conversation with you and let other people mm-hmm. sort of hear on a personal level what it's like. Cause one of the things you shared with me was like, you've actually been like in like Humvees and stuff, like going through the city of, of Kabul. Well, it has that. to be, like, yeah, it has to be up armor. Yeah. You know what I mean? But so you've been in like that. an armored Humvee, like through the city, like that's an extent, an experience like tell me what that experience is like compared to what it's going to be like <laughs> on Wednesday of next week. There's no obviously there's no comparison, but uh, like one of the thing what sticks out of my mind is is a corn. Just I'm just going to say corners. That's really all I'm going to say. You're you're like you're looking at everything as much as you can. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you're protected. You're you're protected, but regardless, you're like you said, you're stepping out in the unknown. Um, it's no, it's no time to be squeamish. You know, you're not scared. Like all that, all that's done. Yeah. You know, when you're going in, you could be anxious or whatnot. When you're there, you're there. You own it, and you do your job. Uh, build new relationships, and then you work and get comfortable. You know, you tell the jokes or whatnot. Like I said with the translators, then okay. Mm-hmm. But every every first day is like, who's the new guy? Yeah. You know, everyone has to go through that. It's like orientation. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone has that. I did too. Uh, like. Like how we get there too, contracting, you know, flying to Dubai or whatnot. When I landed in Dubai, I have all my bag and stuff. So some people are coming on leave and about to go, you know, to yeah. uh, Kandahar. And I'm like standing there with my bags on the bus that takes you to a terminal. And I heard 
about like three guys ahead of me. Like, um, oh, like you could tell the new guys that come. I'm like, give me a brace my first time over here. <laughs> like, I get you. <laughs> I'm yeah. a black man over here. Right. Hey, give me some slack. Hey, last last time I checked, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Give me some slack. Checking a lot of your boxes right yeah, now, yeah. buddy. Be easy. Yeah. No, it's on yours. I know you've done it a thousand times. Guess what? This is my first one. I get it, but I owned it. It wasn't a bad. It's not like I was mad at the guy. I mean, I get it. Like, you have to own, even own that moment. He kind of broke. I kind of broke me in before I, <laughs> before I got there. I was like, yeah, that's reality. Uh, but when you're going there alone instead of what with, with a whole bunch of troops is different when you're traveling alone. Uh, but, you know, I'm definitely glad to be home. And one of the things you do think about is family. Because, I mean, I mean, sober-minded, you're out there from what's working out, whatnot, crazy degree, you know, sandstorms, rain so dirty when it rains. There's dirt on your clothes because it collects the dirt from the air and it lands on your shirt. So you look oh. down and just see dirt. Like it's raining wow. dirt sometimes. So it's real... It's real uh, it's a whole new world. This is a different way of life. And everyone out there will love to be home, love the money, but love to do the right thing. Yeah, because one of the things you mentioned, you told me this years ago, was like you were making really, really good money over there, but had oh, nothing, contracting, yeah. but nothing to spend it on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I missed the... <laughs> yeah, I missed the $100 ATMs. <laughs> I missed those. That was the first time in that. Uh, $100 ATMs. That's it. That's all they had. Like, don't go to this ATM. It's nothing but hundreds. Loved it. It was Man, great. I only needed a 20. <laughs> but you'll get it. Hey, here's the caveat. You'll get that treatment in that paycheck in a third world country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll feel you on that. Or you can't spend it on nothing. And I thought it was bad when Vegas hit me for a $5 service charge every time <laughs> I went to the ATM. And you talking about not, they only spit it out in a hundred. Like, damn, Vegas would at least let you get a 20. No. Let you, it might let you hold 50, maybe. And I want you to stay for a while. Oh, well, it's that whole thing. That whole place is designed to get your money. So I tell people all the time, if you've never been, don't go out there penny pinching. They're going to get your bread. <laughs> Listen, if you don't like drinking and gambling and shows and the clubs mm. and all that, you like dinner and shopping, they're going to get your bread. Well, Dubai will get it, too, in a different way, but it ain't gambling. Oh, wow. It's beautiful, though. I'm beautiful there. So... All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on, man. This is, like I said, this has been in the news for a while now. It's probably going to be for a lot longer. Yeah, for a lot longer, too. So so maybe I'll have you back on um, after we get past, you know, August 31st, the deadline to, to get everybody out. And maybe we can kind of talk about sort of how we got to this point and sort of who's to blame and 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 all of those sorts of things and, just feel, and COVID yeah well, yeah and COVID yeah I, I've been holding <laughs> off on having conversations about COVID um for a few reasons just because I, I want to be able to set that stage in the right context yeah um and I I, I want to be respectful of everybody and not be like Somebody's someone's gonna get hurt no matter what you do. See now I've got see I, this is why I love you and hate you. <laughs> I got that Bertie Mac voice in my head when he was doing Kings of Comedy, like you dumb motherfucker, you. Like I, I want I don't I'm trying not to go there when it comes to COVID because I've just seen these videos and whatnot and it's uh, so we're not gonna touch on that. So but maybe I'll have you back on and we'll talk about sort of how we got to a place 
where to this place where we were pulling troops out and sort of who's to blame. I just didn't feel like hey, I had the energy. No, it's a deeper conversation. And, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. that's the less of the humanitarian part. Yeah, that, you know what I you mean? Know, yeah, like like I just felt like I don't have the energy for that, and I just felt like this is not the time to have that conversation. Oh no! Right now, it's about getting out as many. It's people. the people, and I yep. will say I do want to give credit where credit is due. It appeared in the beginning that we had a terribly fucked up situation. And in a lot of ways, this situation is still really messed up. But I will give credit where credit is due. They have moved a massive amount of people in a short amount of time. That's hard to do nowadays, yeah. You know what I mean? So they have airlifted a lot of people. And they're not all coming to America. They're going to Guam and other countries and whatnot. And so... It's one of those things where don't tell me you can't you can't do it because we know that you can. Everything can be done, but who wants to be stuck with the bill? That's the bottom line. Well, no, and I totally understand that, but I think there, as you know, there are things that are more important in life than money. Life. Let's start <laughs> well, there. Let's end there. Life. You know what, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I get there it. are things that are more important in in life than money. So, you know, shout out to everybody that's stepping up and trying to take these people in and do the right thing and buy these good folks and all, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but again, just thought it would be good to have you on. So maybe um, we'll, we'll link up soon and we'll do maybe like a part two of this. Oh, yeah, it's going to be on. And dive into it a little deeper. So with that, I thank you, good brother, my good brother. I appreciate it. Um, you jumping on here because this was really, really good. Um so any sort of closing thoughts you want to share with the people? Not at all. I mean, we can, I'm confident in the country. We can handle anything. I can, I can guarantee that, <laughs> but it comes down to if, if they're allowed to do it and however we want to resolve it or let someone else and save faith and let, let it look like something else. But it's hard for America to go out like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's kind of tail between the legs and the whole nine. We're not known for that. <laughs> well, well, I think it's that, and we have an entire generation of generation of people, maybe even two, that are removed from like Vietnam. So, that is true. So for them, they've never seen like us leaving a war yeah. zone in a way that looks and feels like defeat, and maybe that's what certain people are wrestling with because you've grown up with this idea that we're invincible. Yeah, I mean, and, how do how do we how do we get to Japan? You know, how do we get, where have we really left that we've been? How did we get to Germany? You know you don't, you yeah, see what I'm saying? It's like we usually stay there, but I'm telling you, being out there, there's, there's no cities out there. I mean, there's, there's obviously cities that have been cities, but it's not like the city you see here. Not at all. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a more of a, my sense of it, it's more of a marketplace. Like there's buildings and there's commerce. It's money. It'll be just be our money building someone else's country and that won't go so well. Not at all. Yeah, I got you. Especially because of the <clears throat> level of corruption that you would have and everything. Oh man, oh, so, that's a separate conversation. Yeah, yeah that's a separate conversation. So we'll, <laughs> we'll end on that. So Andre, thank you so much for jumping on here. This was really good, and um, we'll, we'll 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 follow up. We might do a part two about this, but but thanks for jumping on, man. I really appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right, man. I'll holler at y'all. Peace. <laughs>